seven weeks up, seven weeks down in the NFL, and the action just keeps on coming. I'm Pete Noyd. This is the Purely Pigskin Podcast, and with me once again is Colin Bannister. We're here to break down week seven, take a look at some of the NFL's biggest storylines, and preview a very exciting week eight. Colin, what's shaking, my man? Hey, Pete. Good, good, man. Everything's, uh, that was... As far as football goes, that was uh, an interesting week, but uh, yeah, overall things are good. And uh, starting this this year is starting to take form. You know, like the teams that are going to be there at the end, as we talked about last week, I think you're starting to see that right now. Yeah, this week perhaps more than ever, I'm reminded of the old Bill Parcells line that you are what your record says you are. And at this point, uh, you can't really, you might think you had a bad game here and there. But we're getting to the point now where you are what you are. Whatever your record says, that's who you are. And, you know, the teams that are doing poorly, I mean, we're coming to the midway point of the season. And if you're not going to turn it around by now, what you're looking at is the rest of a year where your confidence is low and what's going to happen. It's not a – I'm sure in a lot of locker rooms right now, it's not a very good feeling. Because you're you're coming to the halfway point if you're not already there of your season, and uh, it's lost. So it's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, for example, what I'm saying: imagine being the Detroit Lions. The one thing that everybody's saying about the Detroit Lions is they play hard. They play hard. They play hard. And I'm not going to argue against that statement. But <laughs> you're 0 and seven, and that means you've got nine games left. I mean, that's a tough hill to climb. So that's. That's kind of what I'm saying. And there's other teams that aren't 0-7, of course, but they're still in that same type of mindset boat, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I will say uh, Dan Campbell's really won me over with his attitude. Uh, we, we weren't really going to get into this game between the Lions and the Rams, but uh, the Lions threw everything, including the kitchen sink at the Rams, all those fake plays. Unfortunately for them, I think they only came away with three points off of all those uh, converted uh, trick plays. And in the end, they didn't quite have enough to get by the Rams. They are 0-7, as you said now, and their season uh, is over, really, effectively. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs, but that was a close game. Yeah, I know it was. And you, when you look at halftime of that game, I mean, it was 17-16 for the Rams. And it was like, okay, we got a game here. And you, you kind of saw maybe perhaps an upset. But the uh, the Lions were only able to score three points in the second half. And so it uh, it kind of boiled down to, uh, as you said already, you are what you are. Yeah. They, they, they gave their best punch, and uh, that was in the first half, and they didn't really have anything left for the second half. Uh, you know, the old saying, sometimes it doesn't uh, ring true. You know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. The Lions actually punched the Rams in the mouth. <laughs> But you know what? The Rams took it and then came back and were able to win the game anyway. So uh, an important win for the Rams. Uh, but let's let's move on to some of these games. Last week, we each had uh, a game of the week that we were going to look forward to. And uh, yours was the Titans and Chiefs. Definitely uh, a big one on the schedule for both teams. Uh, did you watch this game? I, you know what's funny? I uh, couldn't get to the 1 o'clock games. This was a 1 o'clock game. I couldn't get to it right away. And when I turned on the TV, I, I saw it from the corner, and I saw the Chiefs had nothing, and so I came around so I could see the full screen. And at that point, it was 17 nothing for the Titans, and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, going into this game, 
Uh, if somebody had told me that the Chiefs are going to hold Henry, Derrick Henry, to 86 yards on 29 attempts, I'd say, okay, you're going to have a really good shot at winning this game. Now, whoever thought for a minute that he would throw for a touchdown, but, uh, I mean, that's just the type of game it was. I mean, the the uh, Chiefs look flat. You mentioned last week all the injuries that were in the tit- Titans secondary. Didn't really show up. I'll tell you, the pressure they had on Mahomes – um, they just kept coming. And the thing that when you really looked into the stats a little bit more about that whole game, uh, for me was the time of possession, because I think that the, uh, Titans had something like 30 minutes. Uh, no, no, that's only half the game. It was more than that. I forget what it was, but that was the one stat that kind of came out to me was that, um, they just held the ball and, and Tannehill outplayed Mahomes. So it was a very telling game for me because the way I look at at this now is Kansas City's schedule for the remainder of this season. They have the Giants this week, okay? If they don't win this game, then they're going to fall into the boat that we've already talked about on this podcast here this week is their season's over because just to go 9-7, and okay, so they play the Giants, just so you understand exactly what I'm saying. They play the Giants. If they lose that game, they're three and five. And just to go nine and seven for the season, they have to go six and two. They play the Raiders twice, the Cowboys. So it's it's really going to be a tough second half of the season for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so by the end of the year, we could be talking about a team that's one of the biggest disappointments or one of the biggest disappointing surprises of the 2021 season. You really can. And you know, you go to the back to the preseason. Of course, the Chiefs weren't just thinking about the playoffs. They're thinking about getting that first round buy and home field advantage. Well, you can already kiss that goodbye because that's not happening this year. They have really struggled. Some key stats here, something that I've uh, talked about on this podcast a few times now is that you can gauge whether the Chiefs have won or lost based on Tyreek Hill's stat line. Mm. Uh, he goes over 100 yards, they win. He's under 100 yards, they lose. And this week, once again, was no different. Tyreek Hill, six catches, just 49 yards, no touchdowns, and three of those catches came on the very last drive of the game when Chad Henney was throwing him the football. So the Titans completely took him out of the equation, just like other teams have done and found success against the Chiefs this year. So once again, you know, the Chiefs, I I said it before and I'll say it again, they have to learn how to win in different ways, and they have to enjoy it. It's, it's not one thing to say, well, okay, fine, we'll try something else. You've actually got to enjoy it because that really at the end of the day means that you actually enjoy winning, that you're pursuing the win and not just saying, hey, we're high flying, we're going to chuck the ball around and put up all these stats. It's more than that in the NFL. Teams can take away even the, the most dangerous of weapons like Tyreek Hill is. Uh, Kansas City, only 13 rush attempts on the entire game. And yes, they got behind early and they were going to have to pass anyway, but this is another thing with the chiefs. They don't run the ball. They don't invest in running the ball. Mahomes had six of those carries. So they only had seven carries that weren't Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He was their leading rusher. He was their leading rusher. Yeah. And I I have to say, you know, more and more this team is starting to resemble the dolphins under Shula and Marino, you know, now Shula, obviously a hall of fame coach, one of the greatest of all time, Some might even say the best coach, you know, but he's definitely up there. 
And, uh, you know, I remember what he said when he was, he was talking back about having Marino, getting Marino in the draft and, and saying, you know, yeah, I'm sure our opponents would have loved us to, to have Dan hand the ball off all game. And, and yeah, he had a point there. Obviously you want to unleash the, this great talent that's on your roster. Mahomes, same thing. Like he's, he's such an amazing talent and he can do so much, but you know what? You still have to have a run game. Marino never had a thousand yard rusher (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they just refused to invest in that rush game. You know, the defenses were never better than, than okay in Miami. This chief's defense is getting blown up every week. I mean, it seems like every game, whether they win or lose, they're getting behind early and having to fight to get back in the game. So there's a lot of similarities here, in my opinion, between these two. They have got to learn to win a different way. Yeah, because since their first uh, two years ago, their first uh, Super Bowl win in so many years, it's really been a downhill because, uh, you know, injuries have played a part. And I just want to say it wasn't 30, it was 36 minutes they had. The, that's what I saw because, you know, the, 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 the Chiefs were pressing so much and it was just three and out, three and out. But you're right. Like it just been a, it's been a down gradual thing. And really it culminated in that Super Bowl last year. We talked about this last week as well. I mean, they had injuries, but man, they were, they were, as you were saying, blown up. I mean, what their weaknesses were, it was like driving a freight train, you know, through it. Everybody could see it. And last year's Super Bowl, it was their two tackles, and they took advantage of it. The, the Buccaneers took advantage of that. As you said, they shut down this week that we're talking about. They shut down um, the, the Hill, the receiver, and uh, and they look, they look lost. They look lost. And it's just it's so surprising to see a team that won a Super Bowl just two years ago, um, not even, you know, it's not even been two years since they won the Super Bowl, be in this predicament. But um yeah, they're uh, they're a team that uh, um, it's crazy to think when you're playing the New York Giants, but it's a must win. It's a must win. That's everything to lose for the Chiefs. Nothing to to lose for the the Giants because they're trying to figure out what they are still at this point in the season. It it almost has a sense of an upset to it because the pressure to me is fully on the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Um, because it, it's a you know one of those games on your schedule it, oh you have to win or you should win but now it's the have to win and so we're going to see if there's anything left in the tank for this team yeah and you know Mahomes we didn't even mention but Mahomes went out of that game uh, late with an injury uh, he has cleared concussion protocol so he's expected to play but I mean if uh, if they lost him I mean the season would be over already. Uh, I have to just quickly too. Uh, there was a, a lot of play action from the Titans as well on Sunday, and I remember you talking about that last week and how effective that is for them. I, I think just about any pass play for the Titans should be play action because when you've got Derrick Henry back there, you might as well. I mean, teams are going to have to respect it no matter what. Oh, for sure. I mean, Brown, you know, eight receptions, 133 yards, and then he was just hitting people over the middle. I'm talking about Tannehill now. And you know it was it was it was a nice balanced attack. When the defense is playing that well, you don't have to do too much. But uh, obviously, the rushing defense of the of the Chiefs were geared up to stop Henry, and they did. Like you can give them that much credit, but it opened up the passing lanes, and they took advantage of it. So basically, it's a game where the Titans took what the Chiefs gave them, and they did it very well. Well, let's move on to my game of the week, which was the Monday Nighter. 
Uh, New Orleans Saints going into Seattle. A very important game for both teams. For Seattle, sitting at uh, two and four, can't afford to go any any uh, lower in the standings. They need to turn their season around. And for the Saints, who even though technically are sitting in a playoff spot going into this game, really need a win to secure that because those wild card spots are so competitive. I don't think many people expect them to catch the Bucks this year, so it's really going to come down to them uh, winning a wild card spot, and those are always competitive. Uh, but they go into Seattle and they scrap out or they scrape out a win, thirteen to ten. Very defensive game, not a ton of offense, but at the end of the night, the Saints did the job. They did what they had to do. Uh, they had a fantastic performance on the defensive side of the ball. Demario Davis just all over the field, and uh, they got that big win. No, they did, and and it's you know. <laughs> People would would give this the the title of an ugly game, but it, as you mentioned, defensive game, and you won it. And the the other thing you said there, Pete, that I think is you can't overlook, they won it in Seattle. That's not a very easy place to play. And uh, you know they went in there and they won it. They uh, looked a little flat, I thought, at the beginning of the game. The Seahawks went up seven nothing, but then Kamara, you know, they 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 used the weapons that they had. I mean, he did rush. 20 times. Now it wasn't for a lot of yards. It was only 51, but he also had 10 receptions. So they used the, the flexibility of that weapon. Those 10 receptions went for 128 yards. So they, uh, you know, they, they had a game plan. They stuck to it, you know, tough for Seattle because uh, they were close in this game the whole way through. They could have won this game. You could say it wasn't, it wasn't a tight game in the sense that they were always right there. But uh, in the in the end, you know, the time of possession goes with the score. I mean, 32 and a half minutes for the Saints to 27 minutes, 11 seconds for the, the Seahawks. It goes to show you how tight the score was. And the total yards difference was less than 100. 304 for the uh, Saints to 219 for the Seahawks. So, yeah, two quarterbacks that had an opportunity on prime time to show what they want. I was disappointed with Geno Smith. As you said, the the Saints defense did come through, but but it was a real opportunity for him, and I, I'm sure he wishes it could have been a better result. Yeah, and I think he had mentioned something before the game too that you know these chances don't come along very often, and that he couldn't afford really to drop the ball, that he had to take his shot, and uh, a disappointing performance from him. But you mentioned Alvin Kamara, and I just want to camp on him for a minute because. He had just an outstanding game. As you mentioned, he had 20 carries and added 10 catches. So he had 30 touches this game for a total of 179 yards and a touchdown. The rest of the Saints team accounted for just 20 touches. 20 touches. Kamara, 30. The rest of the Saints, 20. It's a great breakdown that you that you point out there because that you imagine how tired he must have been after the game. I mean, he, what would they have done without him? And um, But you know what? Give them credit because they needed to win this game, and it's a road game as we've already talked about, and they had a game plan where this guy was going to do. Now, I don't know if the game plan called for as many touches as he had, but it was working, and um, there wasn't a whole lot else working, and he was up to the task. So good on them. I mean, they uh, they had 21 first downs, so only 14 for the Seahawks, and I think that they were able to sustain more drives in a tight defensive game. And in the end, I mean, neither team, neither team rushed for 100 yards. How many, how many games in the NFL is where neither team is able to rush for 100 yards? 
So it was uh, it was tight. It'll be interesting to see how the Saints are able to manage going forward because how many teams out there are they going to be able to match up with when they're playing defensively like this? They, their offense is going to have to play a little bit better, and especially this week, you know, they're hosting the Buccaneers, so so it's going to have to uh, to improve for them to to uh, really turn it around. Yeah, we saw a lot of more mixing it up there with DK Metcalf all game, and uh, he's going to be at it again this week because he and Mike Evans have a huge rivalry. Uh, between the two of them. That dates back to some comments Evans made a number of years ago that Lattimore still hasn't let go of. So that's a, a big battle for sure. And, and yeah, just a final note on that. I have to say, you know, New Orleans with Kamara, he's always a huge weapon for them. But without Michael Thomas, he's really their only weapon. And they relied on him a lot. And so credit to them for getting him the ball. But on the flip side, I have to question Seattle's defensive game plan because when you're looking across to the other side, uh, you're not seeing many weapons uh, there. Kamara is really the only guy, and, and they the Saints were going to him whenever they needed a first down, whenever they needed to convert, you know, keep that drive going. They went to Kamara, and the Seahawks didn't have an answer all night. So a tale of two game plans in a, in a sense there. So big win for the Saints. Yeah, no, it was. It was. I, I – I'm still a little bit mixed on the Saints because I, I think there's a little gas in the tank, if you will, but I don't know if it's enough to really jettison them, you know, like get them really propelled. And I'm, uh, yeah, it's the first year without Breeze, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I would say I'm a Saints fan. I like the New Orleans Saints, but uh, perhaps maybe they're going to, you know, if they have a good showing against the Buccaneers, they're going to be right in the mix. But this is a, this is going to be a big game for them this week. Well, let's look at a couple other teams that are making big statements and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I, I almost have to look twice. If I wasn't watching this game, I, I'm not sure I would have believed it. But the Bengals go into Baltimore and they beat the Ravens. They beat up on the Ravens 41 to 17. Now, well, last well, week. Pete, I just stop for a second. The reason why I'm <laughs> stopping you is you said it. Now, now how many people bet on the Bengals to win. I don't know the answer, but I'm just saying, but how many people bet on the Bengals to do that? I mean, like to win by 20 points, who, who would have taken that bet? I would have taken that bet. I don't bet, but I would have taken that bet because that's, that's like insane. What they accomplished on Sunday is like, you know, somebody's yelling at you on the blowhorn in your ear. I mean, that's how loud that statement was unbelievable to see this very young team starting to put it together already. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I'll go back to last week and, and you said, you know, Hey, we we're all looking past the Ravens after that big statement win that they had over the chargers. And I agreed with you, but if we've overlooked the Ravens, then what does that say about the Bengals? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> Here's the thing about the Bengals, right? They won their first game of the year, but then they lost to Chicago. Second game of the season, they lost to Chicago. So when you, the team loses to Chicago, you're like, oh, okay, like they're, you know, it was only the second week of the season, but it's kind of bringing up questions. But then they beat Pittsburgh. And it's like, okay. And then they beat Jacksonville, but we were kind of getting an idea of what Jacksonville was all about. And then I think the thing that, really should have given people 
an idea of what maybe was coming is they lost the Packers in overtime. And they have just gone crazy since then with those two games. Of course, they, they should have beat Detroit. They did. But now the momentum, I think the momentum started in that Green Bay game. Because they realize, and I said to this to you earlier in this podcast, is that confidence is a huge thing. And when they played that Packer game and they played them as tight as they did and lost by a field goal in overtime, I think that kind of turned things around for the Bengals. And we're starting to see the the beginnings of a team that could be very well at the end of it right there, right in the middle of it. You know, what can you say? They're leading the division at 5-2. and two. They're tied in record with the Ravens now, but of course that big win puts them ahead and in first. There's not a team in this division with a losing record right now. This is a tough, tough division. And something that I've said uh, right from day one when we were doing the, the division previews uh, in the earliest episodes of this podcast, that this, and along with the AFC West, were the two toughest divisions in football and I got to say, you know, I, I said, you know, I thought the Bengals and the Cardinals, both good up and coming teams, but would probably both finish at the bottom of those uh, respective divisions. And look at the two of them now, Arizona, the only undefeated team in the league, seven and zero. they beat the Texans 31 to five, which is surprises nobody, <laughs> of course, but uh, you know, the Bengals with just a huge win now, they're both leading their divisions here. And, you know, I, I, I got to ask, do you think that one or both or perhaps neither uh, are legit Super Bowl contenders? You're looking at these two teams. What do you think about these two teams in terms of the Super Bowl? Okay, so we're talking about the Cardinals and the Bengals, right? Yeah, Cardinals, Bengals. Yeah. So the only thing I would say, Arizona's, see, I always think back to, I think it was the 2000 Ravens, Okay. And they had Trent Dilfer, if you remember back to those days, they had Trent Dilfer at quarterback, and that kind of epitomized what their offense was about. It was really non-existent. But at the end of that season... Jamal Lewis. Well, there was Jamal Lewis, but... but (laughs) That's it, though. You could put 11 men in the box, and there was nobody to throw to. Literally nobody to throw to. And I bring that, that history up because that's why I think defense is so important, because history has proven that you can actually win a Super Bowl with a superior defense and have limited to no offense because that that has happened. So it's possible. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up now in this situation that we're talking about is because Arizona's defense is so good and they have a legitimate offense. But the one thing that's been happening a fair bit in the last two to three weeks, especially the last two, is Kyler Murray's taking a bit of a beating. They they have an offense, don't get me wrong, but he's not a big man. He's not a big man. And if you lose him, I have no idea who is backup. I didn't check. But man, oh man, I'm gonna tell you something. Like that's that's the one thing, because we're only at the midway point of the season that scares me a little bit with Arizona. Because he is he is, you know, Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray. He's running all over the place, but he does take hits. And so that's my one concern with him. But are they, to answer your question, are they legitimate? I believe 100%. But you got to do a better job of protecting Murray. I really do believe that. And if they can, and if they, they improve in that area, that's the one weakness that scares me with them. If they improve in that area, I think they're going to be for sure 
in the NFC Championship game. They very well could be hosting that game. And if they are, they have a legitimate shot of going to the Super Bowl. The Bengals, the Bengals, not so much, Pete. And I'm going to tell you why. They're still very young. They're still very young, and they're still learning how to win. And I think when you uh, when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, and then you look at the, the games that they've got coming up, you know, they've got the Jets this week, okay, and and then Cleveland before the bye. So they've got two games there they legitimately could win. But then they've got divisional games. They've got uh, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Chargers, San Francisco, Denver, Baltimore again, Kansas City, Cleveland. So they could have... Um, what are we now? Five and two. They could legitimately be 11 and five at the end of it. Okay. Or better. But it's then when you get to the tournament, you get to the playoff games that I wonder if they start thinking, are we good enough? Are we, you know, they're young, they're learning how to win, but man, I'll tell you, like, like, as we've already said, going in there this week and doing what they did to Baltimore, uh, I, again, I, what did I say last week? Who was I excited? Oh, I was excited if you were a Buffalo Bills fan. Well, Bengals fans, you long suffering. I remember Super Bowl 24, you know, when they almost had it against Montana and that's about as close as it's been. But I mean, Hey, these are long suffering franchises and, and it, it's, it's hard sometimes to get up for, for teams like this, but I think the tide is turning for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I agree. These aren't your grandmother's bungles. Let me just no. say. You know, these guys, no. these guys look good in the Hooday Nation. Yeah, it's out in full force right now because they are loving their young team. And I think the common denominator between the Cardinals and the Bengals is not just that they're young, not just that they have exciting offenses, but it's that the defenses of both teams are coming up, rising to the occasion, and and they're playing every bit as well and should be getting every bit as much of the respect. Uh, as the offenses are on the on these teams because they have really stepped up. A lot of people questioned, especially the Bengals' defense. But get this, they held to the Ravens' the Ravens' ground game outside of Lamar Jackson, of course. 12 carries, just 27 yards. That's just that's non-existent incredible. without Jackson yeah. there. And, uh, again, a huge statement win for them. Okay, let's touch on Sunday night football here. The Colts going into San Francisco, the – torrential downpour all game long it was a messy one but you know what i love these games that are affected by the weather the colts starting to find their groove now they're still just three and four but uh, considering that they started the season out zero and three uh they've rebounded quite well and uh i'm starting to wonder you know even though the titans uh, put up impressive back-to-back victories over the bills and chiefs respectively they sit at five and two so they're two games clear of the Colts who are in second place. But can the Colts now, do you think, can can they make this a two-horse race in the AFC South? Well, you know, looking at their past games, I mean, they beat Miami on October the 3rd. Then they lost to Baltimore in overtime. Okay? They played they played Baltimore tough. And then they beat Houston and, and San Francisco, as you said, on Sunday night. But I think the key thing that you mentioned, Pete, there was they're starting to come together. I mean, that's a new quarterback, new setting. You know, I know that he's very familiar with Frank Reich. Again, they did not look comfortable as a team, as a unit. What I saw on that game, and you know what's funny to me? People were talking about, about, you know, I don't know if it was the weather, if that's what they were referring to, but they kept referring to this game as an ugly win. I don't know why it was an ugly win. I mean, they they just won. 
they just won in 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 a in bad conditions. And I but what thing I saw from the uh, pardon me that I saw from this team um, on Sunday night was a team like it, they, I hadn't seen them in a few weeks, and I just they looked different to me. They they looked like they were together. They were going in one direction. They I don't know. There was just something about that this game that was different for me when I was watching the Indianapolis Colts. And I think, to answer your question after all of that, I think if they are able to beat the Titans, and that's a big F because they, they're playing the Titans this week. If they're able to beat the Titans at home on Sunday, wow. I mean, here we go. I mean, four and four. And yes, I think they can make something of this season. It's uh, because after that, they've got the Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if they can win this game and then win those games are supposed to, we're, we could be talking about the Colts being something here at the end of the year. Yeah, I really think so. And, uh, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Frank Reich. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the football fan of yesteryear will remember him as, as the architect of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, a playoff comeback of all time when they were down 35-3 to to the Houston Oilers in the playoffs. Backup quarterback Frank Reich comes into the game and leads the Buffalo Bills all the way back. Some people might look at Frank Reich and think about the magic, but I don't think it's the magic with him. I think this is a guy that just commands respect in the locker room. The players like to play for him. They respect him. He has the team playing, and I've said it before on this podcast, all three phases of the game, they're competitive. They are one of the most well-balanced teams in the league. They compete on offense. They compete on defense. They compete on special teams. Because of this, though, because they're not flashy, they don't get a lot of the headlines. But this team is, as you say, a team. They're, cohe- they're a cohesive unit. They band together well, and you know they've, they've been struggling with a lot of injuries themselves. T.Y. Hilton was a no-go in this game. Uh, they had lost Paris Campbell for the year, so they were really hurting that wide receiver. What happens? Michael Pittman steps up, has a huge game for them. Jonathan Taylor looks great uh, in the backfield. Carson Wentz, after some early season, you know, all the news in, in the preseason around Carson Wentz was bad. You know, he was dealing with this injury and that injury. He had to get a surgery on his foot. You know, there was a whole drama around whether or not he was going to get vaccinated and if he might miss games due to COVID. I mean, it was just one thing after another. But on the football field, he is playing good football. And you know, they've got a strong offensive line. Uh, they've got a pretty good defense there. So I agree. I, th- I think they're going to cause some problems. And uh, I-, I think they're they're still right on the bubble for the playoffs. Yep. No, I agree. But the thing is, they're starting, as you said, being cohesive. They're starting to come together. They're showing signs. Whether or not they can take advantage of that is remains to be seen. But I... I like what I, I I like what I see. They're on the uptrend where some teams like Carolina, which we're not going to get into, is downtrending. Like after such a hot start, they're they're done. You know, they they got nothing left in the tank. So very interesting to see what Indianapolis can do going forward. Yeah, and and on the flip side, let's let's turn to the 49ers now, who are two and four after winning their first two games. They lost the next four, so they're two and four, not looking competitive in that division. Do you think it's time for them to just turn it over to Trey Lance? Shanahan has been non-committal, going back and forth. They asked him this week uh, who the presumed starter would be uh, if it would be Garoppolo, and he he said, "I guess so." 
I, yeah, that's oh, that was sad. That was you know, tough. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It seems to you me know, like I, they, I think they, they caught they, him at a weak moment there, and and uh, he's just blowing off his frustration. But do they got to go with Lance at this point? Well, he's battling that knee problem, right? Trey Lance is battling a knee problem. I think if he was a hundred percent healthy, they would. Because what do you got to lose? I mean, Garofalo is obviously not going to be around past the season, most likely. Um, uh, yeah, that was just sad. I mean, I understand being disappointed, and I understand you've lost four in a row. But, you know, that's the time where you, you take the mantra of, well, we're analyzing every position this week, right? You don't give them the confidence, but you just, that's tough. I, I think that's that's a very telling sign to me about the whole locker room. It's it's not a good situation, and it you do question whether or not you want to stick a rookie in that situation. Is he going to grow? Is he going to regress? You know, we've seen quarterbacks in the NFL history where they just throw them out there, and the attitude and the the whole environment is just toxic, and these quarterbacks never recover. I mean, we can go through a whole bunch of first-round quarterbacks and never develop. So I'd be very careful. I would be very careful here. I, I would, um, oh, that's a good question, Pete. I, I, I think I would err on the side of caution on this one. And I think I would go again with Garofalo in their next game uh, and wait till Lance is, is really healthy and hope that he can learn on the sidelines. Because I know that the trend in the NFL right now is you stick the rookies out there and you play them. Get the experience. Do this. Sometimes I think that the old school thought where, you know, the rookies would sit a whole year with the clipboard. Yep. There are times still in this day and age where I think that's the better route to go. Yeah, it, it is a tough one. I think typically I would agree with you. I'm much more in favor of bringing a rookie quarterback along slowly. Patrick Mahomes, a lot of people forget, he held that clipboard the entire first year. He sat behind Alex Smith, who wasn't the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's a pro's pro. He does everything the right way. And it was a great guy for Mahomes to learn under, even though they're completely different quarterbacks. Uh, so that there's no question in my mind that that benefited Patrick Mahomes. And as you and, say, and, and and here's another example for you. Okay, and this is going back a ways. And, uh, and he held the clipboard longer than he wanted to. But number twelve for the Green Bay Packers. Oh yeah. Huh? He was a he was a backup quarterback for four seasons. Now I mean they held them they held them back too long. Yeah, truly, because there were games where. Rodgers came in for Favre, okay, and outplayed him. Like, I remember games against the Cowboys where he came in and was like, oh, boy, uh-oh. And he's throwing darts all over the place. So he was held back. But I truly believe this about Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe he's the quarterback we talk about today if he started as a rookie. I don't. I really don't. Because I think he learned so much. And, I mean, he was he was prime and ready to go. When he, when he was a full-time starter. And the thing is, these kids, like Burroughs, like Wentz, you know, some of our modern day, injuries, man. Like, they're not on good teams. Now, Wentz was, sorry, he was on a good team and he just got hurt. But this is another thing that happens. These, these first-round picks go out and play on teams that got no offensive line and they get smoked. And it's like, what benefit is that? So I would, I would really, I think Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. I think he needs to be developed, and I just don't think that you just throw him to the wolves because, oh, why not? I, I somewhere along the line, the, the 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 whole thought process on that changed, and sometimes it works, but a lot of the times we don't talk about how it doesn't. 
I got to say, I'd feel the pressure, even though I agree with you in, in philosophy, that in this particular situation, I'd be tempted to just throw Lance in there because Garoppolo doesn't seem to inspire the team. And you talked earlier about how teams get that run of momentum, that sense of belief and togetherness. And, you know, with every victory, you see that building like with the Bengals. And on the flip side, losing does the same thing. And you know that those players in that locker room are going to start to to voice their opinion, maybe not to the media, but among themselves, there's going to be chatter. There's going to be Team Garoppolo in that locker room, and there's going to be Team Lance, uh, who they think should be in there. And that's not good for any football team. So they need a sense of direction. They're they're ultimately going to need a decision at some point. You know, Shanahan, I don't I don't mind the way that he started to bring Lance in, where he said Garoppolo's the starter, but we've got a few packages for Lance. I think that's a good way to get him some minutes while keeping Garoppolo as your starter. But now that Garoppolo's struggling again, you know, you got to say there's a big pull there towards Lance. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. I, I'm with you. I'm just thinking the long term because this is, a, is this a team that's ready to win right now with either quarterback? I'd say it isn't. I just don't know what you gain. I think there's more to lose than gain at this point. But, I hey, you make some good points. I just think that, again, I don't want to kick a dead horse here, but just that, that whole scene at the end of the game last week, that that's not a good situation in San Francisco. And I don't think putting a rookie quarterback is going to change all that. They've, they've got more problems than their quarterback position. They That they do. And, uh, you know, at two and four now, with two teams that are uh, nearly unblemished at the top of the division there. Uh, It's going to be a tall order for them to make the playoffs this year. Okay, let's look ahead to week eight. There are some bangers out there of games looking ahead to week eight. We've got a few divisional matchups, a couple of matchups of of, uh, highly rated teams out there. And let's start with Thursday night football. And depending on when you're listening to this podcast, this game may have already happened, but it's the first game up on the docket this week, and it's a big one. The 6-1 and one Packers against the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. We've talked about these teams already, but how do you see this game playing out, Colin? Well, I uh, that this is tough. I mean, I think it's the biggest game of the week by far. Uh, I'm surprised right now. The Cardinals are nearly a touchdown uh, favorite. I'm really surprised by that. It is, of course, Arizona's hosting this game. I don't know. I It's tough for me to put an Aaron Rodgers-led team to the side so they're going to lose this game. I think the better team on paper right now are the Cardinals, and they're at home, so I would give them a slight advantage. But I wouldn't put the pack – I don't know. This is a toss-up for me. This is a real toss-up for me. I think the Cardinals on paper should win, but I would not be surprised to see the Packers pull it out. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to bet against Aaron Rodgers. So he, he's done so much in the course of his career. Uh, you know he's going to have the guys ready to play – but I will say this is somewhat hot off the presses is that they're now dealing with a COVID outbreak in their team. Devontae Adams uh, has been is in the program now and uh, Alan Lazard, another wide receiver, and they're already short at wide receiver. Marquez Valdez Scantling is on the IR. He's probably not going to be back for Thursday. So that's their three top receivers out for Thursday night. And uh, I, I, as much as I love Rogers and, and believe in his ability I really can't see them coming away with a victory this week, given those key injuries, unless they're able to just pound that rock all game long. And who knows, maybe they can, but that that's a lot to, to overcome. 
No, it is. You're right. I and I forgot about the Devonte Adams, especially. That's the one that really is. Uh, yeah, that's a glaring thing. They they're definitely now. I'm yeah. I'm I'm putting it together now. Why the spread is what it is. Because I, I did read about Adams today and I had forgotten that. But it's still it's still yeah. They're gonna have to pound it. Why is it that the team like the Packers though, when games like this, when you have receivers out, and they've done this throughout the era of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. People come off the bench, they come off the bench, and they produce. So, you know, it's not the first time we've seen this. And um, so I don't know who it is going to start. I don't know what's going to happen with their offense, but I would expect them to be a formidable opponent for uh, the Cardinals this week. Yeah, and hopefully we're not robbed of another classic primetime game because we've had a lot of good games, and I'm really hoping that the Packers give it their all this, this week. You know, maybe Randall Cobb dials it back a little bit. Maybe Amari Rogers, the rookie out of Clemson, comes through and has a big game uh, when the Packers need him. Uh, we will certainly see, but a, a big game nonetheless. No, I'm looking forward to this, Pete. This is, this is as I said to you earlier, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this one plays out. I think it's going to be a good football game. Absolutely. Elsewhere, we've got the Browns and the Steelers, one of the – one of the ancient rivalries of the NFL, these two teams, not only divisional opponents, they absolutely hate each other. You know, it's just, let's just yeah, tell it like, yeah, it. no, exactly. You can't say it any more succinctly than that. That's correct. Yeah. There's no love lost there. Now they are the third and fourth teams in that division right now. As we mentioned earlier, we've got the Bengals at five and two, the Ravens at five and two, the Browns are four and three. The Steelers are three and three. So, uh, you know, this is a this is another huge one. Who, who needs this more? Do you think the Browns or the Steelers? No, I think the Steelers do. I really do. I um, I think the Browns last week winning with a backup quarterback says a lot about that team. But the Steelers, they just they've not found themselves yet. Like that record is three and three, as you said, and it's indicative of exactly again as we've talked about today who they are. It's like, are they, are they good? Are they so, so like it, they're all over the map. And so I think um, on a key divisional game in Paul Brown stadium to face the, the Browns, they, they need to win this game. They need to, you know, finally say, Hey, we're, we're here and we're for real. And this, this would allow them to do that. I think. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you that the Steelers need this game more because if they lose, uh, that puts them out of touch with everybody in the division. The Browns were my preseason pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Because of that, I'm sticking with the Browns. And it looks like they're going to get Nick Chubb back this week. That's that's a huge difference. As as, as great as De Ernest Johnson was for them yeah. Yeah. this past week against the Broncos, the Broncos' run D was not great. Yeah. And ultimately, they need Nick Chubb back there. So I, I think the Browns win this game, but I agree with you. I think the Steelers need it more, and I think they're going to be in real trouble if they don't get a win. Yeah, they they've got to turn their like they've got a if they're going to be anything this year, they've got to start it now. Like they they've got to, and I I think a loss here would really put them in a hole that they're probably not going to dig out of. And uh, the last game that we're going to take a look at here, uh, we've mentioned uh, both of these teams already: the the Titans and the Colts. So it's happening this week. It's a big, again, divisional game with the two teams, the only two teams in this division that are going to be competing for anything other than the uh, the lowest of the basement dwellers there. We know the Jaguars and Texans aren't going to be doing anything this year. 
So big game, you know, it's <laughs> you can't really go against the Titans, can you, after those two big wins? No, I, I don't think so. And I think, you know, what it comes down to is a, is a team that, you know, we talked, you talked about Frank Reich, and I agree with what you're saying. I think he's, he's respected. He has control of that team. But man, Mike Vrabel has control of this Titans team. And, and man, have they ever shown flexibility? Like we've already talked about it, but last week, I mean, Henry rushes nearly 30 times and doesn't get 100, but they still did. They're flexible. They, they have some good coaching, and they can analyze, and they say there's a weakness we can exploit, and they take care of it. And um, I would expect Tennessee to go in there and fight a hard game. They're, they're only one-point favorites on the road but uh, at this point of the week. But, but I really think that they are a team gaining momentum, and this, this one could be even a couple of touchdowns. I know that sounds odd Ooh. to say, but I just think that, that they're – they're peaking and, and gaining steam and, and Colts are, as we talked about already, are, are, are there and they're in the mix of, of gaining momentum. But I think this could be a setback game for them. Certainly possible. Now, interestingly enough, Vrabel and Reich uh, both took over these teams in 2018. And in that time, they are three and three against one another. So, I mean, this is as close as it gets between these two teams. Uh, both, I respect both coaches. I think they're both, uh, really good. I'm, I'm going to take the opposite one, view on this, though. I, I think the Colts, they, they're going to look at those standings and they're going to, that desperation sometimes is that extra edge that you need. Technically speaking, the Titans could give up a game here. And I know that they're not thinking of it that way, certainly not consciously. But in the mind of the Colts, they know they absolutely have to have this game. And for that reason, I'm going with them. No, it makes sense. Like, I mean, do you want it more? And and the Titans have been playing at such a high level for the last two weeks especially and coming into games where I think they were test games for them. I only think now that the confidence is really brimming. Like they say, hey, look what we've done. This could be a letdown for them, but I just don't see it this week. All right. Well, time will tell. That's why we watch the games. And uh, Colin, man, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. These two episodes together have been amazing. No, it's, it, it allows me, Pete, to, to dig deeper into the games. And, and this is what the NFL and football is all about. As we've talked about, every game means something. And uh, you can see where, where pictures start to take shape with teams. And we're right at a point of the season where it's really exciting because teams are starting to make statements. And I find that really interesting. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. So this has been great. Uh, would love to have you back later in the season. Uh, how about it? Well, hey, it's been it's been a fun season. So I'm all for this because there's so many storylines, and a little bit later on the season, we're gonna have a lot to talk about how these are unfolding. So yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, 100 percent, and I'm I'm so happy to hear that. So thanks again for coming on. That's gonna do it for episode 16 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. See you next week. Take it easy. 